Okay, hey everyone out there, this is uh, George Lucas here, once again with Andrew. We've got a special guest tonight, and I'll introduce him in a minute. I uh, would like to talk, start up about with uh, the trade deadline, NHL trade deadline, which happened on Monday, a few days ago, and we'll just dis- discuss who we thought winners, losers were, who we think will do well on their new teams, and such. Um, what I want to talk about Evander Kane making the boneheaded decision to try and fight Char last night. Yeah. That was awesome. I just saw the interview with him. He was saying that he went for his face and everything. But Char is just so big that a regular check for him is, is going to be in somebody's face yeah. anyways. <laughs> but uh, you know what? They're good for him for going after him after Did that. you see the fight, though? Yeah. Oh, Char just... Yeah, but still, good for him. All right, for anyways. Him. Like, I'm not Trade a big game man. Anyways, yeah. Um, consensus around is that Vegas is the winner. They landed Stone. One player on a team that is already pretty much set up. They've got the goaltending and mm-hmm. defense. Sure. He he uh, he replaced a big player that they lost last year, Neil, because uh, Neil was a huge, huge, sure. huge for them. Helped, really helped yeah, them get to the finals. Yeah, but he left, and and there was a you know a little hole there. So he definitely fills that. He's a he's a great two way player. Yep. Um, I thought that Nashville did well bringing in Simmons, even though Simmons isn't having a great year. I think he'll do well there. Yeah, I think it'll be a good move for him and Nashville. And they also, they traded, they got to Kale Granlin from uh, Minnesota. I did see that, yeah. So get some, some speed. And I read that he heard about that trade while his wife was in labor. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, I thought, you know, being a Rangers fan, I thought that they did well. I think so, too. You know, they, they got rid of... Feel bad for Dallas, though. Oops. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, man. That's give they they ended up well, potentially not giving up too much for him now if he's not going to help them. Well, I mean that's why you have conditions. Third, right? So which can both turn into ones depending on how the team yeah. overall performs. Yeah. So, so he, he he may be back for a playoff run anyways. Yeah, and he's unrestricted in the offseason. The Rangers can always resign him through. I don't think it will if he wants to could. go back there. Yeah, but they they're looks like they're going younger now. They're, oh um, yeah, absolutely. So and, uh, I think they got a good return for Hayes. Hayes is going to do well in they Winnipeg. Got a, they I got a crazy Paul return Maurice, for Hayes. Paul Maurice is going to love having Hayes there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that being said, that's a beat-up team. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is kind of in a bit of a slump. He's not playing as well as he normally is. Definitely not mm-hmm. as well as he did last year. So they've got some work to do, get healthy, and get their confidence back up before the playoffs hit. So at least they've got a few more, what is it, 18, 19 games left before the playoffs? So yeah. they got time to start gelling. So we finally got to see what, what Columbus wants to do this year. Because oh, yeah. they were kind of teetering either way. And then even the, tra- even the trade deadline, they were like, it looked like they were starting to sell. Yeah. Like right before the trade deadline. Then all of a sudden trade deadline, it's like they changed their mind. Mm-hmm. And they, they just went after it all. I thought they did pretty well too. I think so. Yeah. So. I don't know what their farm system is like, so I don't know what their future is going to be like if they, if they don't make a few playoff runs this year. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, before we transition on, because I don't want to talk about this for too long, let's talk about the Leafs, because they didn't really do too much there. They did nothing. But do, did they need to? Um, you know, they, they brought in uh, Muzzin a little while ago, and he's yeah. been a great addition there. That's uh, that's what all I felt that they needed. I was like, man, the Leafs are good. They're solid in goal. They're yeah. definitely solid up front. They need that number two D guy to play with Riley, because not Gardner. Yeah. Gardner's not that number two guy, and they brought yeah. in, and he's fit in quite well there. Yeah. The, so, the thing Leafs fans, hockey fans in general, need to understand is Muzzin has never been, will never be a point-producing defenseman. No. He's a solid skater. He's a physical force in the back end, and he keeps the puck out of the net. That was the problem, though. Is that is that? Excuse me. Exactly what I was talking about. Is that Gardner is a liability 
And being that number two defenseman, and Riley's not like a big, you know, stay-at-home defenseman either. Although he is much better than Gardner is back there. But and I'm not, I'm not saying Gardner's worthless. He's he's got talent. He's got a lot of talent. But he doesn't know when to when to push and when to back off. Yeah. And with Riley and Muzzin there, you don't see those shorthanded two-on-ones nearly yeah. as often. Yeah. So. Um, coming up here on the five minutes, I only wanted to talk the trade line maximum five minutes, so we'll move on because we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. I'd like to introduce our guest here. Uh, it's my friend Josh here, and uh, he actually has a really cool story about his. He, he's a big football guy. He's hopefully going to be our basketball guy. He's big. He's a big guy. <laughs> Thanks for Anyways, having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh, tell us about uh, your football career. Uh, so born and raised in Windsor, right? Uh, played for Williams High School. Uh, my last year, I actually verbally committed to the University of Toledo. Last high school game, uh, got a shot to the knee as the clock went zero, tore my ACL, my MCL, and Toledo kept it real. It's a business, right? College mm-hmm. ball is a business, so I said good luck. Fortunately for me, I got picked up by a Division II school out in North Carolina, Chowan University. Uh, played five years there, was a five-year starter, except for the one year I started two games, and then I was medically redshirted, and then I had the opportunity to... Uh, Played a little bit in the CFL on a couple practice rosters. Did the whole combine thing. But, yeah, great experience. Lots of fun. Had did no you do NFL combine or CFL combine? I did a, um, they have, um, what do you call it, uh, regional combines for the NFL. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I did the regional combine out in Charlotte. Right on. So I thought I was a big guy, but you see everybody else out there, and you're like, <laughs> wow, all right. Offensive linemen, they're like 6'10", 350. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. What were you then? Back then, I was 6'3", 350. Okay. Yeah. So, um, just position? I was playing everything from left tackle to right tackle, but uh, they had me projected as a center or guard. Awesome. Just, just to elaborate here for, for those of us who don't fully understand all that, what, do you, what did you mean when you said redshirted? Uh, so what happens is um, when you play university ball, you have – well, coaching staff has the option to decide whether or not – if you're ready to play, right, um, they'll just let you play. If not, they'll give you what's called a redshirt, right? So mm-hmm. it means that you get to save a year of eligibility, you get to be a part of the team, but you're not allowed to play in any actual of the regular season games. So you can take part in a scrimmage, anything like that, but when it comes to the regular season, you're out. Uh, medical redshirt is allowed, as long as you haven't played more than three games, if you receive a, a serious injury where you miss out on the rest of the season, it's the same thing. They hold uh, back your eligibility, so that way it saves you a year. Cool. Yeah. So then we're... we're Talking about the combine here, because uh, of the NFL combine starting this year, um, I actually didn't know that you participated in any combines, nor did I know that you were in the CFL picture. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, let's talk about the combine. What's happening? Offensive the line is getting weighed in right now. There are some big dudes there today. Big guys. Big guys. But, Who did you like uh, college football offensive line this year? Honestly, to be honest, um, I follow more program when it comes to the offensive lines because it's all. It, when it comes to college ball, it's a lot of the coaching because you can get a talented offensive lineman, you can get a big guy, right? But if the coach can really fine tune the skills of those athletes, awesome. That mm. that's what you're really looking for. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like Alabama has produced some really good offensive linemen. Um, Ohio Williams. State. Yeah. Ohio State always has a guy who's going in the first round. It seems. Wisconsin, come on. I mean, oh, yeah. every year, every year, there's somebody. Earlier this morning, I saw Bo Rochambeau from Wisconsin. He was playing left guard from this year. He weighed in at six foot six and seven eighths, three hundred and thirty five pounds. That's a That's big boy, a big dude. That's a big boy. 
So do you guys, who are going to be, are there going to be any top 10 O-linemen drafted this year? Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I don't know what you've heard. The, talking about Alabama offensive lineman, their left tackle, Jonah Williams, he's really, really good. Uh, he's very nimble, great hands, hand placement. Whenever I watch him, he's really good, although he did have a rough go against uh, Quillen Farrell from Clemson, Clemson in the yeah. championship game, but he's good himself. He's going to be top 10 pick himself. A lot of people are saying, oh, he should be a guard. I struggle with that. I, a guy that athletic that can move that well and has hand placement like that, I don't like moving into guard. I don't understand why people say you got to move into guard, but what do you think? Well, a lot of time with the NFL, right, a lot of these guys, like, they're scouts, they're supposed to know talent and all that, but they see anybody who's below 6'5 as being a guard, right? Yeah. Well, I can counter that with Kevin Beecham. He was an all-pro left tackle. He was only 6'3", yep. right? Barely weighed 300 pounds for yep. Pittsburgh. And I don't know about you guys, but Ben looked pretty comfortable back there with him <laughs> yeah. at the left side. So, Well, yeah. even last year, he played left tackle for the Jets, yeah. uh, covering the blind side of a rookie quarterback, and he held his own. Yeah. So. Exactly. So I think it's kind of unfair to try and put someone in a category. Offensive lineman, honestly, most of these guys have the skill set to play any of the five positions. Yeah. So. The other thing I struggle with, too, is people that have spent their entire college career as a left tackle, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of the armchair GMs come out and say, he'll be a great right tackle. I Correct me if I'm wrong, you've played the position I haven't, but from what I watch and the way I see it, switching from one stance, like a, a left tackle stance, all the way to the right tackle stance, it's a, it seems like a totally different thing. I mean, it's like... Okay, I'm a pro yo-yo player with my left hand or my right hand. Okay, try and do the same thing with your left hand now. It just doesn't work. Is it? Am it, I got? Have I got this right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You're correct because your stance completely changes, right? Like you become so used to being having a certain stance, and your lead foot is always your right foot in pass blocking when you're left tackle. Yeah. You're switching that yeah. when you're playing right. So also, you're playing different kinds of defensive ends. Most of the defensive ends on the left side for the defense, right tackle is going to be going against, are usually power rushers, right? Yeah. Left side, you're usually going against a speed rusher. So you know that your kick set is going to have to be different from the left side to the right side. So now you got to make all these different adjustments, right? Then you got to work on your different footwork. So it is a big change, but at the same time, like I've seen the Cowboys, when Tyron Smith first came to the league, he started off as a right tackle, and then they moved him back to left. So maybe what the NFL is trying to do with the coaching staff and you know, everybody out there in management is trying to do is kind of get them used to being a versatile offensive lineman because in a 16-game season, a lot of guys go down. So you got to have that versatility. So that's probably why they do it. I'm not a big fan of it, right, because you can hurt the stock of a lot of guys. Like when Eric Fisher came out of Central Michigan, yeah. they started him out at right tackle, yeah. and I thought he was going to end up being a bust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he looked terrible. But now they moved him back to left over at Kansas City, and he's yeah. he's a formidable he's left solid. tackle. Yeah, yeah. So, Solid. I think it does a little disservice to the guys coming right out of college, but I also understand, you know, steeper learning curve. It's a mental game too, yeah. you know. Like, it, are they up for the switch? Yeah. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Yeah. Um, so they also did the height measurement weigh-in for special teams, long snappers, kickers, punters. Does anybody care? Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Coming up later, yeah. they're doing running back, so that'll be more fun conversation. There are some surprising running backs in this. Well, we can still talk about running backs anyways. Uh, which running backs are coming out? I'm a big um, fan of the guy out of Memphis. Out of Memphis. Um, Henderson? Yes. I think he's going to be special. Doesn't so that's the first pick this year, Arizona, right? Arizona, Arizona yeah. Yes. Okay. yeah. 
So um, going back to the offensive line comment about any of them going top 10, there's a lot of teams that have needs yeah. um, for offensive linemen, but I think what's going to happen is because there are bigger needs elsewhere yeah. and more talent elsewhere, they're probably going to they're gonna sl- slip, down? slip down. Most offensive linemen will probably go middle of the round. Late. Okay, perfect. That's where the Vikings are picking. There's a kid um, who I told you about earlier before we started this um, idea for a podcast. Right tackle, Florida. You familiar with him? Juwan Taylor. Big dude. He made it. He weighed in today, I think, if memory serves, 6'5 and change, 312, which is big because he's actually down right. a dozen pounds. Um, every time I watched him, he can move. For a guy that big, he could move. And his uh, arm... Span, I believe, was 35 inches. That's awesome. You <laughs> want is, that length. Yeah. That's stretch, right? Yeah. And that's a guy who, if he can deal with it, because he spent his whole career at Florida on the right side, which I don't understand because the guy who played on the left tackle was just bad. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't try him on the left side unless he said he didn't want to or wasn't. Unless maybe they did in practice and he didn't do but well. But man, every time I watch him, he mirrors well. He's got the anchor, the power. He's got the his legs just dig right in. So. That's a guy who I said the Vikings might be interested in. And I know it's been on Twitter and a lot of people hate the move. Um, and you might hate this idea, but moving Riley Rice to left guard, drafting this kid, Juwan Taylor, to play left tackle, and then keep O'Neal. Keep O'Neal over there, um, right tackle, because he had a solid season. Yeah. I always felt like Ryan Reef should have been a guard from the get-go. I thought he was out of position being a left tackle for the Lions. Like It was, it was hard to watch. Um, <laughs> Big guy, not not very good length, right? Yeah. At a tackle position, 35-inch arms, perfect. You yeah. got that length. You can attack the length of the defense player, right? Um, Riley just didn't have it, yeah. right? Um, his footwork also, I never thought was quick enough to be an outside guy. Inside, he's got the power. He's yeah. very good, very efficient when it comes to yeah. run blocking. Smart. As a pass blocker, I just don't see him being out there on an island. Yeah. So I think that's a great move. So I think it's interesting this discussion here because you know it's it's not really a, a, a huge topic when you're talking about NFL the the O-line um, not so much the D-line because they get sacks and stuff but the O-line is seems to be like forgotten players like nobody knows who they are when I when I vote my pro bowlers I don't know who I'm voting for for O-line I yeah. really don't so when you watch an NFL game when I'm watching running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks do you watch the O-line absolutely yes. yeah every time I watch I watch the offensive line and the defensive line go at it all the time yeah and, like, guys I love to watch, I love Kelvin, uh, Kelvin Beecham. He's actually one of my favorite tackles because I was an undersized tackle. You know, my last three years at Chowan, <laughs> my last three years at Chowan, I was playing 6'3 as a tackle, right? Yeah. And I love the way he plays. Yeah. Great set, great punch. Um, I'm also a big fan, Joe Thomas, who retired. Oh. You want to talk about the perfect tackle? That guy was it. Run block, pass block, all of it. Mm. He was so sound. Joe Staley? Awesome guy. Yeah. And he, he's considered undersized because he was only 6'4". Yeah. Right? Didn't have awesome length, but his athleticism and his intelligence as a tackle, awesome. What he did was he would change his sets up to really catch guys off guard. Right? So he was a guy who had different, a, a wide variety of footwork to use against yeah. the defense. And that's, that's rare. You don't have a lot of guys do that. Like Joe Thomas had his standard vertical set, which... Is like an ancient technique now, but he did it so well that nobody could beat him. Yeah. Right? Joe Staley, yeah. he was able to change it up and he was a powerful guy. Yeah. 
Still is. So, he's still got it at least this year under contract down there and helping out big Mike McGlitch. That's a yeah. big dude, too. <laughs> yeah. But the reason I watch offensive line, the trenches, during regular football plays, if there's an exciting play, there's always a replay and you see the whole play yeah. where the football goes. You don't get to see the offensive line play in the replay. So exactly. I just watch the offensive line play. If there's a big play, catch it on the, on the replay when everybody's losing their minds. Exactly. And like another thing that's awesome about watching them is that a lot of the smaller details that you get to miss that they only show sometimes in replays is the hand fighting. Like you watch the the defense alignment and offense alignment go at it. Like the handwork is just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like guys like JJ Watt, like I know oh, he's a defensive lineman, but watching his hands, yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Wake, who used to play in the CFL, like he's got great speed, but what really sets him apart is his hand fighting. Yeah. Like, just really cool to see that kind of stuff. They're talking about cutting him. Which wow. is, when I read that, I was Because they see, oh yeah, we got this guy, 36 years old. I mean, just two seasons ago, he had double-digit sacks. So Yeah, I've... As you said earlier, it's a business. Football is a business. It's a business first, entertainment second. Exactly. So. Exactly. Anyways, um, is there any interior guys that you've seen in college ball this year that you're interested in? Ed Oliver. Like Ed Oliver. Talk about undersized. Yeah. But just, he's he's not the same kind of athlete as Aaron Donald, but he's got the same kind of instincts. I see him being an Aaron Donald type, Yeah. but he is just explosive off the ball, great hands. Yeah. Definitely undersized, but he's able to use that to his advantage. And his movement skills, he's a joystick. Oh, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, the kid, Quentin Williams from Alabama. Some are talking about him going first overall. You know what? I I would agree, but I don't think Arizona needs that right now. There's, there's so much to be done in Arizona. Like, sure, it'd be a great pick, but he is, like, extremely talented. And although he is deserving of the first pick... He may fall. He's definitely top five in my book. Yeah. But he may fall just because of team needs, right? That's, yeah. That's always what it comes down to. And it's tricky, too. It's like you get caught in that trap, especially new coach, new, new everything in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. New everything. So what does Arizona need? Actually, I was uh, listening to Cliff Kingsbury. He's talking to Shrags this morning, and he was saying, we have a lot of needs. We like where we're going, but we've got new system, new coaches. We've got a lot of needs, so we're we're working around the clock trying to see what uh, what's going on there. But there's a lot of a lot of uh, armchair GMs think they're going to pick Kyler Murray first overall. I don't see it personally, but especially since they invested a first round draft pick in the quarterback last year. But. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's too soon to give up on Josh Rosen. Yeah, I, mean, I love agree. Josh Rosen. I agree. Like, CLA. He's got great attitude. Yeah. yeah, right. He's got moxie and he's got talent. Like, yeah. He, he makes throws that a lot of guys can't make. Yeah. But, but another thing about him is like he, he doesn't really have a lot, a lot of weapons out there either. No. I don't know a whole lot about their offensive line there, but um, actually I don't I didn't really watch a lot of Arizona, but he, he uh, it, it's fair to say their offensive line was probably bottom. Yeah. Bottom. They were beat up too, though. I think they they had one of the when you go down the list of the offensive line combinations, you yeah. want to keep as you should know about anybody. There's a lot of communication that goes on on that whole line. You got to have that that continuity across the Absolutely. board for the whole season right? yeah. um, when when you're checking players in and out in and out um, there's bound to be some miscommunication exactly. same as the back end cornerbacks all the DBs they need to be able to so when there's injuries anyways yeah, it, I mean that's the thing with offensive linemen it's a whole different game right like they're playing a game inside of a game yes right so I mean you got the center who kind of runs that unit and communication is yep. so important on the offensive line 
Twist, Blitz, Mike, all those, yeah. they got to be able to call it. And if you got new guys coming in and yeah. communicating differently, it can happen. Yeah. But Kyler Murray going first of all, one, I'm not totally sold on Kyler Murray. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good college quarterback. I don't think he's going to be anything extraordinary in the NFL. Um, the best he'll do is something like Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is a good QB, but he's not... He's not something over the top. He's not like a Tom Brady. He's not a mm-hmm. he's not a franchise changer. So, ah, man, just the system they play there at Oklahoma. I mean, I like Riley. Is it Riley the coach there? Is that his name? I like him as a coach, but I just I don't see his physique and his style of play translating to the NFL. I mean, at least. Russell Wilson had the benefit of playing for two different teams and learning two totally different systems while he was in college. So he could bring that experience with him to the NFL, and I think he's a little bit bigger. I think he's just got a little bit more of the mental makeup. Kyler Murray couldn't even decide if he wanted to play baseball or football. (laughs) And that was the other thing I was going to add, right? Russell Wilson is a very mature athlete, especially when he came out of college, right? He was 23 years old, mature, and knew what he was doing, yeah. right? I don't I don't see Kyler Murray having that same kind of maturity yeah. or having that same kind of confidence in a huddle to really lead a team. Yeah. So I, I just don't see it out of him. Um, Talent-wise, yeah, sure, he can he can sling the rock. Yeah. He, he's fast. He's arm for his size. Yeah, he's fast. He's very fast for a quarterback. But in the NFL, speed doesn't matter so much at QB. Like, they can bottle that up nowadays because mm-hmm. athletes are just... Yeah, I was exactly. going to say, you've got O-linemen that are fast, too. Yeah. And they can still, like, in college, like, a lot of those guys wouldn't be able to chase down the, the fast quarterback. In the NFL, they can't. Exactly. Especially, and then linebackers, no chance. Yeah. Right? You're, so. you're talking about the best athletes, right? Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. So, so interesting uh, topic here. Next is San Francisco's got number two. <laughs> and they've got a good team already. So what do they need? <laughs> They need an edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, now, their their base is a, a 4-3. Um, is Garoppolo the guy there? I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jimmy getting the apprenticeship out of Tom Brady. Like yeah. That's, yeah. Who sure. else, who would you want to teach you in the NFL mm-hmm. other than the GOAT himself? Like, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so, I think they need edge. Uh, the tricky thing there, though, is if... Nick Bosa goes first overall. If Arizona takes the consensus best player this year and takes Nick Bosa, then what do you do at San Francisco? Because the consensus number two player is um, Quentin Williams, yeah. who is an interior player. And Josh didn't say earlier you don't like Bosa. I don't like Bosa. No? I don't like him. No? I don't like him. I just don't see him having. It's the same thing with Kyler Murray. I don't see him having the maturity to be that kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, I can see that. Um, guy I like off the edge, Josh Allen out of Kentucky. Yeah, I see. Quick. I see. Khalil Mack 2.0. He's no, faster. Not as big, though. Not as big, but he's faster. Yeah. You can always put on size in the NFL. That speed, you cannot teach. That height yeah. and that reach, you cannot teach. Yeah. So I see him being a Khalil Mack kind of player because his power off the edge, his speed off the edge, that's scary. I've seen him come off both edges, too. Yes. And that's the thing. He's got that versatility yeah. already. So. Yeah. Um, I'm a big clone for L fan, but... Uh, he's not quite athletic enough to go number two overall. Yeah. So unless uh, unless the Niners make a trade to get out of two and move down and open up their choices, it's hard to say what they're going to do. And it also depends on how badly players want quarterbacks. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Murray or Haskins is worth a top two pick, but I'm not an NFL GM. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with Haskins, like, Kyler, my thing is the maturity and his height. Haskins, I think he's a good leader. 
right? But it's his throwing technique, his throwing motion. It's a very long, winding throwing motion, and he drops the ball every time he's trying to throw the ball. Yeah. So in the NFL, you don't have time to make that kind of movement. He's got to he's got to clean that up. So if they want to risk a top pick for a guy like Haskins, like he's got the size, he's got the athleticism too, then they're gonna have to clean up his technique. Yeah. And a lot of quarterbacks, when they've been throwing years and years like that, it's really hard to oh, deconstruct yeah. the technique and redo it. So, so going back to the combine here, uh, you said earlier you participated in the combine. What's what's the day like in for for a combine? If you know that you're getting up and you're, you you, what do you what are you expecting for that day? Is it a long day? It's a long day. Yeah, it's exhausting, and, and I think it's more so exhausting simply because of like the jitters, the nerves, and all that, like. Doing the actual work, it's really short and goes by quickly. Um, I know for me, I mean, my trainer had me up at 6.30, right? We did a nice little light 10-minute jog, stretch out, warm up. And then it was just mentally getting prepared for everything, right? Yeah. Like, everything's a mental game. So going into the bench press, mental game. The lo- the broad jump, the vert, all that. Um, because at the end of the day, it's all about technique. Like, I trained with guys who can bench press 500 pounds and I out-rep them on the 225 test, right? So... A lot of the things with the combine is technique. Um, for that reason, I kind of feel like the combine's a little overrated. It's entertaining, mm-hmm. right? Um, but for some positions, I just don't see it necessary, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like there's there's running backs who have run four sevens who have become just outstanding running backs, and then you've got like Antonio Brown was a guy who ran a four seven at the combine out of Central Michigan, and now he's considered the best receiver in the league. Right. So. Combines are good if you've got those fringe guys who are first-rounders where you want to know work ethic and whatnot. That's what it's good for. I think Antonio Brown's got other things surrounding him other than the best receiver in the league right now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. Like That's something that, you know, a lot of listeners or football fans in, in general don't don't know. You yeah. know, they see it on there. A lot of them care. A lot of them don't care. Um, but it, but it's interesting. How many 225s did you do? Uh, at the regional combine, I hit twenty-two. Wow! Because wow. yes. yeah. like, I can I can do two twenty-five, but I can only do it like three times. So, <laughs> and, and I'm proud of that because hey, I'm not yeah. a big guy. So, hey, there are wide so, receivers out there who can barely hit one. So, yeah. Here's a question for you. Yesterday they did the medicals for the O line when they were going in today. What's that like? Because that's got to be a lot of waiting in line. All right, got my X-ray done. Oh, we found something in your knee. Go to the MRI. Yeah. Um, so for the regional combines, right, and for the CFL combine, you do all of that ahead of time. So uh, you have to get medical clearance from your doctor and then bring that to them. Okay. I don't know how it's done in the NFL, but I'm assuming they go through a standard test, right? Like, here, sit here, let me see this, do this, do that, right? How's this feel? That's all good, you're good to go, right? Um, of course, there's the x-rays and the whole medical history that gets brought up too. Um, but that is probably what takes them longest, right? Because you're just sitting there sitting in a room, yeah. waiting. And it, it probably takes only an hour for some guys. Yeah. But it's just like, man, I don't want to be here. I came to, I came here to lift, yeah. to run, and to beat up defensive players. Like, what's going on? Let's <laughs> yeah. do this. But, um, yeah, that's, that's tedious. But it's necessary, right? Because, you know, GMs don't want to make the mistake of being like, this guy had a fracture in his foot. Yeah. And we had him here day one of training camp, and he broke his foot sprinting. Yeah. And now we've got him. He's out for eight weeks. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So for these guys, it's an investment. So they want to know all about it. Yeah. It is. Exactly. It is an investment. It's a business, right? Yeah. So as much as like entertaining as it is, it's especially with a GM, like his job could be on the line. Exactly. Yeah. If he picks a guy that, you know, he, uh, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I drafted this guy even though I knew his, his injury pass, and he gets hurt in the first game. 
it makes them look bad, yeah. you know? A good example of that, a few years ago, um, Denver took a, a kid that I really liked out of Mizzou. Mizzou was coming along as uh, the D-line university, right? So um, his name was Ray. He had, I think he had a Liss Frank injury yep. his last game in college. You know who I'm talking about? Yep, Shane Ray. Yep. Yeah, Shane Ray. And um, so drafted in the first round anyways, and his whole career has been injury-plagued, and now they're going to dump him. Yeah. With, oh. with nothing to show for. That's too bad. Yeah. yeah. But he was. He was a beast. He was really good. I thought he was a steal because they got him in the 20s. Yeah. Right? I thought he was a steal. I thought I he thought was going to be a top too. 10 pick. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, I mean, injuries. When you get the injury bug, it's tough to shake off, yeah. right? So, some guys persevere, but that's just, you know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're moving on here because it's getting kind of long now. Um who are going to be the top teams in college ball this year? Is it too early to say? College basketball? College, college football. Oh, we're going to stick on football, yeah. Okay. It's going to be it's clear, way too early to say? Clemson and Alabama again. Yeah. Did yeah. you see their sophomore and freshman receivers, offensive line? Oh, my God. It's absurd. The talent they have. And, like, this is one thing that I that makes me admire Alabama but dislike Alabama at the same time is the mm-hmm. gray shirt. You're able to over-recruit and have all these guys. And so you're able to have the best talent. Yeah. Ever. So, I mean... Yeah, Alabama's set for years yeah, and years. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting coached. Yeah. Um, other teams, it, it, a lot of it depends on how their quarterbacks develop. So Georgia with Jake Fromm, yeah. how far is he going to come? I was just watching the Sugar Bowl, re-watching it this morning, and he struggled in that game. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but oh, his overthrows are way over. No, other teams that are usually good, Ohio State, Ohio State Michigan. Uh, I think Georgia's quarterback or backup quarterback transferred to Ohio State oh, really? and he's supposed to be something else. I think Tate Martell actually wait, because Ohio State had Tate Martell. Yeah. And he transferred to Georgia. And then you're right, there was a quarterback from Georgia that transferred yeah. to Ohio State. Yeah, right. And he was supposed to be pretty talented yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be that'll be cool to see and how that worked out. But another team that could and should be good this year, um they have a quarterback who was touted to be number one overall, but he decided to go back to school, which I think was smart because I watched him play. Ooh. The kid from Oregon, um, his name escapes me right now, but yes. Oregon should be good. Oregon should be really good. What happened good. to Penn State? Um, McSorley, he's, he's got moxie, moxie yeah. to spare for yeah. every other quarterback in college ball, but he's just undersized. He doesn't have a strong enough arm. They didn't have a great running back this year, so losing Saquon Barkley was, was huge. huge. Yeah. yeah. But uh, their O-line was solid. I really like yeah. Connor McGovern, uh, right guard. Um, so it, yeah, it'll be depending on uh, who their quarterback and running back yeah. will be for next year. But they, they've got a solid foundation. Yeah. and I don't like James Franklin, but he's he's a solid coach. I think he's a solid coach, but there were rumors out there earlier that he might take the USC job. I don't know if that's still out there. But USC's that'd be, a disaster right now. <laughs> that'd, be, oh, that'd be tough. That'd be mm-hmm. a huge loss for Penn yeah. State. Because I, although, you know, I understand the whole... Well, I mean, <laughs> you know. it wouldn't surprise me from James Franklin. He did the exact same thing to Vanderbilt. He yeah. just up and left Vanderbilt out of nowhere. Yeah. And left them. And now they're kind of struggling. Um, who's their coach now? A former NFL wide receiver is their head of coach. Uh, can't. Uh, I'll remember later. But Yeah. Anyways, we are, you know, over 31 minutes now. All right. It's been a pretty quick, pretty quick 30 minutes today. Um, and I'm sure you guys can still go on for hours. Yes. yes. <laughs> a, a lot of yeah, a lot of what you guys are saying is like Chinese to me, but <laughs> you guys definitely know your stuff. So um, just wrap this up. Awesome having you. 
today, Josh. Thank you very much. Definitely, if you would like to come back, we'd love to have you back. Love to have you back. Hey, for sure. Absolutely. Talking, to, well, you know, um, can't get too much in NFL right now, obviously, because you know, combine, draft, free agency. Who knows? Anything NFL changes every year, so oh, yeah. we'll, we'll have a show for that. We'll have a show for uh, Josh loves basketball. I love basketball. We'll talk about basketball again soon. Um, we still need to get that uh, NASCAR one in. Yep. And you know, that's so, a long NASCAR season. We'll get yeah, it. yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, um, awesome. Thanks, Josh. We'll see you again soon. Appreciate it, guys. All right, no problem.